0: welcome everyone to a new episode of the tap i'm your host author andrew hess and today we are going to be covering the monday night raw recap this is the raw recap people and last night was actually not bad i'll, I'll be honest i wasn't completely turned off by raw but i had some moments where i really didn't care but
1: genuinely, I actually did like the show. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, there were a couple moments that I
0: really just, it did, it was unnecessary for me. Um, mostly because they didn't really, well, one of them didn't tie at all into any ongoing storylines. The other one, uh, it did, but it just, It fell flat for me a bit. Um, So we're going to hit with those two first. And then I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more. So the first one that I was referring to, and it was actually a good match. Don't get me wrong when I say this. My only criticism is that it didn't tie into any actual storylines. It was just there for being their purposes. And that was Asuka and Alexa Bliss getting the win over Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. First off, like I said, it was actually a good
1: match. So I'm not criticizing the match or the performance by any of the four competitors. Um,
0: my criticism is just, it just felt like it was just put on there to to fill up some airtime. And that's okay. Sometimes a filler match is needed. You have so much that's going on when it comes to storylines and and other things that you're building towards a pay per view on. That sometimes you just need a filler spot, and that's okay. They put on a good match. For me, I like I. For me, I'd rather it to have something to do with an ongoing storyline or create a storyline from it. Um, my other thing about this, it really is
1: the, the gimmicks for Nikki and Dewdrop. Um, first off, I mean,
0: Nikki ASH was supposed to be going, <clears throat> excuse me, going under the guidance and the, the lead of Dewdrop, And I was kind of hoping that at this point, that she would have dropped the whole Nikki Ash gimmick. I know that she's, you know, changed from like the blue and the yellow superhero outfit to now a black and gold superhero outfit. But really, I, I feel like they just need to just drop that whole gimmick of it as as is, and then for Dewdrop, they need to stop calling her Dewdrop. Just call her Piper Niven call her anything that actually strikes some sort of fear because when you look at her, she's physically imposing. She could dominate that women's division if you actually gave her a chance to. But no one's going to be the face of the women's division being called dewdrop.
1: It's not gonna happen. So put put a menacing, fearsome name on her give
0: her a chance to actually show what she can do because i will honestly say she could run circles over that women's
1: division and be a dominant champion um all right let's go to a few other items
0: um my other, uh, um, my criticism on the show as a whole was that it took
1: us 35 minutes of BS to get to your first match. That, to me, does not really hold my attention. The
0: only reason why my attention was actually held was because your opening segment was Brock Lesnar, which we're going to get to in just a few moments. But that's the only reason why
1: I was any bit, like, into what was going on. Um, and we're going to
0: get into a few of these in just a moment. Uh, my The segments that I really wanted to just cover really quick, uh, Miz TV had Tommaso Ciampa as his guest, which he never spoke. And it was basically just the Miz talking about Logan Paul and trying to make it seem like Logan Paul is just doing a work to hype up everybody for SummerSlam. And then it's just going to be Miz and Logan Paul. But then he said, you know, if you're not going to stand with me and challenge for the tag team championships, well, then I will find a suitable replacement. And he looks at Champa and he goes, and trust me, it's not that hard to find. looks at Champa signaling that Champa will be his tag team partner. Um, this does eventually bring out AJ styles, uh, AJ styles was supposed to be, I guess, in a two on one handicap match, uh, against Miz and Champa after basically him just blatantly attacking, uh, them over, you know, attack them attacking AJ styles, I should say, um, over the last few weeks, um, AJ got himself a tag team partner, which is, uh, Ezekiel, and AJ Styles and Ezekiel get the win over The Miz and Champa by disqualification. I don't care that it was done by disqualification. I care and criticize how the disqualification happened. So AJ Styles has Miz locked in the calf crusher. He has the match won. Tomasa Champa is a legal participant in the match. He comes in to break up the submission and continues to pound on AJ Styles. Now, the referee didn't try to give him five-second count to get out of the ring. She didn't try to force him out of the ring. She saw him beating on AJ and went, come on, come on, get out of the ring. All right, call for the bell. And she rang the bell immediately. I think Tommaso Ciampa got like maybe like four punches in on AJ Styles when he was down on the ground.
1: Why would you disqualify somebody over that? I mean, I've seen much worse happen in the ring.
0: I've seen people who just don't even tag, and like it's just like a whole like a brawl between two people, the legal and the illegal man in the ring. And referees don't do squat. So why now? Why call a disqualification over that? Do something where it would have really been, like, impactful to be a disqualification. You know, like, maybe just, like, you know, have him attack AJ Styles and AJ go to battle back and then Tommaso Ciampa hit him with, like, a low blow or something. Like, come on,
1: give a real reason for a disqualification. But we didn't get that here. So that's my criticism there. The
0: match itself was good. I liked it. Honestly, the matches for Monday Night Raw
1: were, were actually decent,
0: and I, I was very happy with them. Um, you had Usos and the Street Profits both cutting promos on each other in the middle of the ring. Um, for whatever reason, R-Truth came out, and he said that he's a tag team uh, counselor. And Usos were like, yo, man, uh, you know, we, you've been around our family for years. Like, you know, no disrespect, see yourself out of the ring. And Truth kept on pushing about, you know, the tag team counseling. He goes, unless you got a referee shirt underneath there, get out. They take his, his made up certificate about being a a tag team, a tag team counselor. They throw it out of the ring. Truth shows that he's a certified referee and then he actually did have a referee shirt underneath and the the promo between the usos and the street profits before the the comedy bit of Our truth was good it was really pushing for uh the storyline that they've been going through having truth in there brought comedy to a situation that didn't need comedy being brought into it they didn't need truth being in there but you want to bring Truth in. Okay, fine. And then Usos have Omos come out. It becomes a six-man tag where the Usos and Omos get the win over the Street Profits and Truth. I wasn't a fan of the segment. I was a fan of the segment up until Truth came out. And I, I did find the comedic
1: relief I entertaining from Truth, but unnecessary. Um, you had, all right, we're going to get into some of this other stuff now. Um,
0: so we had Becky Lynch come out to cut a promo before the raw women's championship match. And Becky Lynch just sat there, you know, did her commentary, but like she was at ringside. Bianca Belair was defending the championship against Carmella. And Becky Becky Lynch causes the distraction, causing Bianca Belair to get counted out. Carmella earns the victory by count out, which means title does not change hands. She celebrates with the championship anyway. And Bianca Belair knocks her out, hits her with a punch, and then hits her with a KOD and walks away with the title. I'm really sick and tired of already seeing Bianca Belair versus Carmella. Yes, the matches are getting much better than they were last year when it was Carmella challenging for the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. But I really don't need to see this. And now this is the second time in less than a month that we're seeing Carmella
1: challenge for the title. Meanwhile, there's other viable people that could easily fill that role. Becky Lynch's promo really had validity to it, though. You had Carmella, who
0: basically just kind of squeaked her way into the title
1: opportunity at Money in the Bank in the first place. She loses. uh, she, She loses
0: legitimately, like, no question. No, you know tomfoolery no like messing around clean victory and here we are two weeks later on she gets another title match becky lynch in her promo states that she was the raw women's champion she lost the title at wrestlemania she should have been given her one-on-one title rematch the next night in her opinion but at the very least she should have gotten a one-on-one title rematch, which, yes, in this instance, she's right. She should have been given a title rematch one-on-one. Instead, you had Asuka get into the mix, and it became a triple threat match. So Becky Lynch has not had a one-on-one rematch, which she should be entitled to, considering you just gave Carmella back-to-back title shots. For no reason.
1: So in that instance, Becky Lynch is right. But then you Becky Lynch being the idiot that she is causes Bianca Belair to
0: now get counted out. Which now makes it where Carmella has a legitimate gripe to say, hey, I I deserve a title shot, too. So instead of it possibly being Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair at
1: SummerSlam. It's now possibly Becky Lynch, Carmella, and Bianca Belair. Moving on, I'm actually going to go to
0: the main event match. It was uh, early in the night you had Lashley and Riddle cut a promo, Seth Rollins cut a promo. But your main event match itself was Riddle and Bobby Lashley getting the win over Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. Now, for whatever reason, you had Dolph Ziggler sitting at ringside in a chair, just kind of watching everything, and no one really understood why.
1: And this was a great match. Um, you had basically um, you had
0: Lashley going after. Austin Theory for most of the match you had Riddle going after Seth Rollins for most of the match both have their own little you know vendettas to go through uh, you had Theory poised to, to lose and Seth Rollins pulls him out of the ring trying to like regroup Lashley puts Seth Rollins through the little barricade by the uh, by the uh, the timekeeper area Theory gets back in the ring. He tries to roll up Riddle with his feet on the ropes. And finally, it becomes apparent of what happens. Dolph Ziggler gets up out of his chair, kick knocks Theory's feet off the ropes and sits back down like nothing happened. Theory gets is wondering what the heck Z- Ziggler's doing, turns around, gets hit with the RKO from Riddle, loses the match. As Theory gets to his feet, as Raw's going off the air, Ziggler comes in and super kicks Theory. So now we have a babyface turn from Dolph Ziggler. Now I don't know if it's going to be a full-fledged babyface turn or just him wanting to put Theory in his place type of feel, and and setting up a feud between them. I don't really know what's going to happen here from here on out, but. It was nice to see Ziggler doing the right thing. Um, And we're going to see how this all transpires because, I mean, Ziggler was part of the Dirty Dogs, but we haven't seen him or Bobby Roode in months at this point. So I want to see where this goes from here. Uh, Going back now to the beginning parts of the show. You had Judgment Day come out for their tag team, uh, sorry, for their one on one match uh, against Rey Mysterio. Uh, They cut a promo to start the show. Uh, I will start that piece of it. Um, You had Finn Balor and Rey Mysterio put on another phenomenal match. Uh, Finn Balor gets the win. And then basically, they keep on their whole promo was focused on dominic mysterio they keep on trying to pull him to the judgment day to leave his father behind and join the judgment day and i honestly here's the thing i feel like it would be good for dominic to join them but bad for the group if that makes any sense It would be good for Dominic because then he would have his heel turn, his way of getting away from his father. It would give him a chance to be something more than Rey Mysterio's kid.
1: And you could see a dark side to him then evolve. The bad thing for the group is you already got rid of Edge. Who had given instant credibility to the group. Ray Ripley's on the shelf with a head injury.
0: So she's not part of the group anymore. So your only two people are Finn Balor
1: and Damian Priest, which them on their own are solid. But then you're bringing somebody in who, even though he's not a rookie anymore, he's still
0: fairly wet behind the ears when it comes to the wrestling business. And the wrestling, you know, and being a wrestler, he's good, but I mean, he doesn't have any real credibility to his name other than being tag team champions, again, with his father. So it doesn't really make Judgment Day feel stronger. It makes it look like, hey, I'm going to take some weaker guy and make him join us, and he's just going to be part of a group and then he could be the sacrificial lamb who gets pinned. He's the one who will have
1: the job instead of Damian Priest. That's my opinion. And finally, what was actually probably one of the best moments of the night was the opener.
0: Brock Lesnar comes out in Texas, and he starts cutting his promo. Paul Heyman comes out to interrupt
1: him cuts his own promo which is then interrupted by Austin Theory and
0: Austin Theory shows what kind of monster Brock Lesnar is by showing footage from Elimination Chamber when Brock Lesnar just utterly decimated Theory and he said I wanted to show this to you not just for Paul Heyman to take this back to Roman Reigns to see what he's fighting, but also to let Brock Lesnar know I haven't forgotten what he's done to me. And out comes the Alpha Academy. And they think that they got Brock Lesnar beat, considering Chad Gable does a chop block to Brock Lesnar's knee, and Otis tries to just use his weight and power to manhandle Brock. And Brock just gets right up, smiles, and just Utterly destroys Gable and Otis. And I mean, destroys them. Uh, he, one belly-to-belly suplex took out Gable. Two clotheslines took out Otis from the ring. Lesnar destroyed them both with the, the ring steps. Destroyed them both with the, with the folding chair. And then F5's Otis through the announce table. I mean, utterly destroyed destructive. And I loved it. This was great. This is the Brock Lesnar that we need. Utter destruction. And he's
1: he's killing it with these babyface promos. So I I want to see more of Brock Lesnar
0: as a babyface, not up against Roman Reigns. I don't care about him and versus Roman. We've seen it so many damn times already.
1: So them saying this is the last match, please be the last match. I don't ever want to see that match again. But give me babyface Brock Lesnar against anyone else, and let's see how it goes.
0: That is going to be our show for today. I will be back. I actually have a few, uh, a few other items that I'm looking at right now, uh, in terms of, uh, the latest news headlines, uh,
1: that I wanted to go over. So I will be back. Stay tuned. This is the tap.